Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. How you doing, bud? Real good, real good. Um, excited to talk about uh, Megadeth long form for our second time. Um, I'm learning a lot about this band as as we go on, and, and that's a good thing. So uh, I, I I invited uh, resident Megadeth expert Mike Crea to um, share his his thoughts, and he uh, he basically just said, I, "I trust the two of you can handle this." So uh, here we go. This is this is a very different album from the last one we uh, we talked about. Rust in Peace and Euthanasia couldn't be any more different. It almost sounds like two different bands. Yeah. Um, it's it's really interesting. I, I'm sure we'll talk about the like comparing the the evolution of Megadeth versus the evolution of Metallica and other some of the other um, you know core thrash bands that I'm sure you can speak to more so than me. But um, they're a fascinating band to talk to, no doubt. Talk to talk about, I should say. Yeah, no no doubt about that. Um, but before we get there, anything that you listened to this week that's uh, noteworthy? Yeah, lo- lo- like. Lots of great stuff. Um, I, I should mention, um, oh man, I, I really need to start writing these things down so I can, so I don't repeat myself, uh, based on anything I might've mentioned last week, but I know for sure, um, we didn't mention, or maybe I shouldn't say for sure, but, um, the new, uh, Delane has finally, um, revealed their, their new singer and a new song. Uh, the song is called, uh, the quest and the curse. Um, the singer, her name is, uh, is it Leah? Um, yeah, Diana Leah. Diana Leah. Um, she's, um, I think she's a really solid choice for, to, to, um, to come in after Charlotte Wessels. I mean, big shoes to fill, no doubt. Um, but she's not, uh, she's not like a known commodity in the metal world. Uh, um, she doesn't have any credits on on a metal album she must have just come in and and knocked uh um martine's socks off i guess um if this was the song itself i think is very much a throwback to those first two delane albums with with some growl growling vocals and um it's uh a little less pop symphonic metal and a little bit more you know um has a little bit more teeth to it, I guess you would say. I know you really liked it as well. I was blown away. I mean, I, I knew that it wasn't going to sound that different from what they had done in the past. I just wasn't sure if it was going to be the next evolution of their most recent album or if it was going to be, you know, a throwback to the Lucidity April Rain days. This song blew me away, and I, I, I mentioned this offline to you. It is in contention for my song of the year at this point. Again, I've talked about how it's kind of a down year for for me so far. I've played this song, I think, every day since it's come out. And then I played it for other people. So I probably played it twice a day for uh, on certain days. This song is really good. Um, if the if this is any indication as to what the album is going to be like, you've got a winner for me. I, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, I'm not sure if the album is going to be out by the end of this year, but this... Um... You know, we do talk about like our favorite single of the year, which um, it, the criteria is basically that it wasn't on a full length album. It was kind of like a standalone and that right. this is probably going to be in contention, I think, for for both of us. And and also, I think that it um, 
I think it kind of helps now that we like Delane is starting to feel like a band again, which it was, I thought it was such an interesting choice for, um, you know, Glenn Harvest and to announce them as a band that was playing at Prague power next year. And this is a band that in the past, like could have been a headliner, if not, you know, one slot from the top. And they're kind of like in the middle. Um, Cause it's kind of like an unknown right now. It's almost like they're kind of starting from scratch, but now I think, I'm a lot more excited about seeing them live next year, kind of knowing a little bit more of what we have to to look forward to. I could not agree more. I think, um, I think exciting times are ahead for this band. And sometimes when you go through such a drastic lineup change, it could go either way, but I think that they've found a mix that at least for me, it seems to hit the spot. And, and I enjoyed all the newer uh, material from the band, but my favorite albums were those first two. And this is, you know, right in line with those. So good, yeah, good times ahead for sure. There are no returning members other than Martine. He's the only one that's sticking around. Um, I mean, be- members like from the original lineup are returning, but no, not nobody from the band's most recent lineup is coming back. Timo Summers, Charlotte Wessels, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so this is kind of like a, a return to the early days. And, and this is definitely, um, like a, like really exciting. Um, the other thing too that came out this week that uh, we we shared um, the Delane and we shared this as well. Um, Avantasia released another single from their upcoming Paranormal Evening with the Moonflower Society. Little little wordy for a title, but you know it's Avantasia. <laughs> we'll give them a pass. And uh, the new song's called Misplaced Among the Angels, and, and this features um, Nightwish vocalist uh, Floor Jansen on vocals. And this is. Um, another one of those songs where you could tell Tobias is um is channeling his inner meatloaf. It's got a very like meatloafy kind of vibe to it, but um, it's really awesome to hear him and uh, Floor together. So um, I I definitely enjoyed this track quite a bit. I hear the meatloaf comparison, but I'll just go one step further and say that Tobias has a unique ability to write music for the guest that's going to sing on it. I, and sure. I compare him to Arjun in, you know, Arjun Lucasin in the, in the prog realm in the sense that he, they, that he's got a song in mind and then he kind of tailors it to, to who's ever going to accompany him on vocals. And I think that that's part of the magic because it's not like, here's a song, go sing it. I think it's more of how can I get this person to shine on this idea that I have? And then it turns into a song. I couldn't agree more. Very well said. And one last thing I want to mention, which I think is very much, uh, very much apropos based on our um, episode subject, but Megadeth uh, released another single from their upcoming album, the sick, the dying and the dead. And that uh, song's called soldier on. And I, I mean that that we're now three for three, I think on this upcoming album, Uh, unless they, they just decided to release the three good songs as singles and the rest of the album blows. This is going to be, I think a really strong uh, kind of late entry to the Megadeth catalog. Yeah. I think that if the rest of the album was terrible, they wouldn't have released these songs because it would have given people like, it's almost like they knew these were the better songs. So they probably just have the rest of the album in line with this. I think, I hope. Um, but really, really good and kind of a stark contrast to what we'll be talking about momentarily in many ways. Um, but before we get to euthanasia, I just wanted to add one other um, note, I guess we'll say. 
I, I had the pleasure of listening to the, uh, the Metal Geeks podcast, the MSR Metalcast, and they had, uh, they often play songs, full songs during their podcast. Um, something that we typically don't do. They mentioned a band that I heard for the first time. I had never heard of these guys, and they're a Norwegian band called I Lit the Sun. And they came out with uh, a new album recently. I believe it's called, um, Nah, I, I think the name of this gave me at the moment, but they came out with a single called A Shadow. This band has a ton of potential, and this was the first I had heard about it. They have like this proggy style, almost in the vein of like, I don't want to say sewing, but like this proggy thing going on. But then they mix it with certain doom elements with just slowing it down and changing the pace. Really, really good stuff. I'm going to give a shout out to Nops. I will post the song this week. I think you're going to go crazy for this. I'm just guessing. Um, but really, really good stuff. Shout outs, uh, to our friends over there. We, um, I- I'm loving your show. So, you know, obviously we appreciate the support here, but you should go check those guys out as well. They do a really good job, um, kind of doing, you know, going through just some of the stuff that they've been listening to and, and other, uh, stuff that's going on in the Houston area because they're, they're based out of Texas, but, um, really, really good stuff. Thanks for bringing these guys to my attention. Uh, I, I have to check out, uh, the full album. I believe it's called Dolorem, D-O-L-O-R-E-M. Really, really unique stuff. I haven't heard much like it. And this is coming from a prog guy. Excellent. Yeah. I, I would, I need to listen to that as well. So, uh, I'm looking forward, I look forward to you posting it. Perfect. So let's get to let's get to Megadeth. The the reason I selected this album is because I won a poll on our Facebook page. So thanks for everyone for voting. Uh, I was a little surprised that this one it had gone up against some other some obscure stuff and then some you know more popular more modern stuff. I think it went up against Sabaton, Beyond Twilight, and Adagio. Um, just kind of rounding out the spectrum here. But this one it was close uh, between this and Sabaton. I'm I'm curious for you, was this one of the first Megadeth albums that you've heard in full or had you heard other albums before this one? Because I know it's the starting point for many people getting into the band later on anyway. I, I, in all honesty, like, I don't know that I really listened to any full Megadeth albums until the later releases, in all honesty, like... And I'm talking like Endgame, Thirteen, Super Collider. Oh wow, Dystopia. Like it's oh, it was. It had always been just like um, I would hear the songs that Mike really likes, and that was kind of like my taste of things. And then um, actually, my very first Megadeth album was their Capital Punishment uh, Best of that came out in 2000. My um. My parents got it for me for Christmas that year. And um, so that was kind of like my intro to some of the older songs that I wasn't as familiar with. You know, I think I had mentioned that, like, you know, I knew Peace Cells, I knew, you know, Hangar 18 and some of the more obvious choices. But like at that time, like, you know, I didn't really know Symphony of Destruction and, and some, you know, Sweating Bullets and some of those, um, some of those like real obvious Megadeth selections um and and even through like doing this podcast i'm still really learning and when we did rust in peace which uh, mike had requested that was really like my first taste of an older megadeth album all the way through start to finish and and so euthanasia now would is really going to be my second and 
it was interesting because like I recognized like half the album um, and the songs that I knew, I knew very well. Um, Train of Consequences, Toot Le Monde, uh, Family Tree. Um, those are the songs that I knew really well. Um, and then like the other songs like familiar. Um, and then there were some songs that were familiar, like Addicted to Chaos. Um, and then there were other songs that like, I don't remember ever hearing. Um, so it was kind of, a an interesting listen because it was kind of like bouncing around and geez reckoning day, which I had heard, uh, power quest do a cover of before I even, I think the first time I heard it, I didn't even know it was a Megadeth cover. <laughs> uh, so speaking of like songs that, that could be a good topic for the, uh, for the Facebook group, uh, songs that you heard bef- the cover of before the original. Um, I, I shout out to, uh, Hammerfall covering Pretty Maids, which I know I've mentioned a handful of times that I didn't know that that back to back was a Pretty Maids song for a long time. Um, so yeah, that was another one that I was familiar with going into this, but, um, it was the songs that I didn't know as well that were the most interesting, um, because, you know, it was kind of like a first, a first time for me. And like, I found myself like with songs that stuck in my head that I didn't know up until this week. Um, I enjoyed this album a lot. I like this era of Megadeth where they kind of combine their their thrash roots with a little bit more of a, a melodic almost commercial kind of sound I think it works really well and I think it blows away what I think Metallica was trying to do around the same time with Load a couple years later I think Megadeth did a much better job at making more accessible um, heavy metal to, to you know people that might not necessarily have been uh, thrash fans. I think that's a very astute point. Um, Just for background, I bought countdown to extinction when we were in high school and I was, I'd never heard a note by the band. And then I quickly bought this album afterwards. So it was kind of an interesting period to get into the band, maybe five years after this album came out because Megadeth has really gone through like three phases, in my opinion. It was the up to and including Rust in Peace, which was obviously very, very, very thrashy, fast, aggressive, dark in many ways, period. Then they have these albums come out in the in the 90s with Countdown, Euthanasia, and I'll put Cryptic Writings right there with these two albums in terms of, and you mentioned it perfectly, almost an accessible heavy metal, a hard rock thing that they were doing, almost trying to get on the radio. And I have a theory about that. I'll get to that later. But you have those three albums in a basket. And then you basically have everything that came after um, Risk. I won't even count that as an album. I, I won't dignify that with a response. So whatever like that the, abomination was. The but, ultimate the ultimate outlier. Yeah, it's it, 100%. 100%. Um, but, and then everything else that's kind of come after it, I just lumped together in like the post-modern Megadeth era. But it's it's... It's interesting because these songs are very good songs. And if you've never heard Rust in Peace, and if you've never heard Peace Cells, and if you've never heard So Far, So Good, So What, this stuff is like really, really good songwriting. I have my problems with it. I'll get to those. But I I can see why, you know, listening to it for the first time, you were, you know, you were hooked because there's a lot of stuff here that's 
enjoyable. I think that my biggest problem was that I, I always gravitated towards Countdown and Cryptic of the, of those middle three albums. And then of course the old stuff for, for what it was. And when you compare this to Cryptic or, or Countdown, I always found this to be kind of the weakest of the three, even though it certainly has its moments, but that's just my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I can't really speak to where it lands for me because I don't know those other two as well. Um, I would like to think that maybe we'll do all the Megadeth albums up to at least up to cryptic writings at some point. And honestly, I I'm curious about risk because um, I know three songs from risk and I love two of them uh, insomnia and breadline and the third one's crush them. Um, and I don't really know the rest of the album uh, all that well. So it would be, I'd be curious to see if it's as bad as everybody says that it is, or if it's just a kind of an experiment gone awry. Um, I do know that like the songs that I know from uh, cryptic writings, I'm a big fan of um, trust, almost honest, use the man, a secret place. Like there's a lot of songs I really like um, from that album. But again, like I don't really know the rest of the album that well. So um Something I'd like to get into. I, I, it's a little weird that we kind of skipped over Countdown just because it, it's odd to me to like cover all of Rust in Peace and then all of Euthanasia. And then for me, not having that album that bridged the two to kind of speak on with more of a, um, with more knowledge, which is fine. Um, I, I could have gone out of my way to listen to it. I just didn't really find the time to do it. And maybe we will at some point to just kind of like, bridge the gap and then we'll just release all three episodes mashed together as the, as like a Conrad Thompson special. Um, <laughs> when one of us is on vacation or something, we'll just start re-releasing episodes in, in blocks. Um, but uh, I, I'm going to kind of defer to you as far as like more of the historical references when it comes to this band. But um, I, yeah, that's interesting. And, and it's, I actually found myself, um, listening to the, the hidden treasures uh, EP after euthanasia would end um, just because it came out the year after and had, I think it's almost, if it's not entirely covers, it's mostly covers. And I, I really enjoy, um, I enjoy like their cover, their cover of paranoid. was one of the first mega songs I ever heard. Um, and I, I'm a big fan of their cover of Alice Cooper's uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy. And um, there's some good songs like Go to Hell and Angry Again, which I think might be, I think the, at least Angry Again for sure is a Megadeth original. Um, 99 Ways to Die is a cool song. Breakpoint is um, not so good of a song. Um, so I, I did check out some of those. I don't know if they were recorded around this time or it was just kind of like a compilation of stuff that never came out. But uh, I did listen to that um as well as euthanasia but uh i guess getting back on track um we also listen to euthanasia (laughs) (laughs) i i think the biggest contrast for this band was going from rust and peace to cryptic writings uh, not cryptic writing countdown from rust and peace to countdown was a huge departure in my opinion to more of that just straightforward radio friendly in many ways, hard rock style. Um, And then this was the next logical extension after that. I think that the jump between countdown and euthanasia is not very big at all. And they're both very, very similar in many regards. 
different albums, obviously, but very similar in terms of structure and, and, and stuff like that. What's interesting to me, though, is I've always found that this band was always just one or two steps behind Metallica. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but like, you know, Metallica, and I mentioned this when we did Ride the Lightning, when we, you know, Metallica would release a song called Fade to Black. And then shortly thereafter, Megadeth comes out with, um, oh, what's that song? Um, In My Darkest Hour. Structurally very, very similar. And then all of a sudden in 1991, Metallica comes out with the Black Album. And then Megadeth comes out with Countdown and Euthanasia to piggyback that off that, which was that radio-friendly metal, if you will. Um, I, I always felt like they were just a few steps behind. And, and this was kind of like akin to their Black Album period, albeit you know a few years later than Metallica. And I don't say that as a bad thing. I just say that as like, it was almost like they were following in the footsteps there. But there's something else that happens on this album, and I'll get to it later, but it's um, really, really interesting to, to me, and I think a kind of a sign of the times of late 1994. Uh, but, but let's get into it. Um, you know, this was a little bit top-heavy for me in the sense that I think that the beginning half of this album is spectacular, and then I think as we get towards kind of the middle third of the album or the, you know, the last third of the album, not that it drags. It's just the songs aren't as catchy for me. Um, but nonetheless, Reckoning Day, w- what an opening track. A little different than the Power Quest version, I think. Mm, it's not as good, but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, I, my, my, I, talk, I was talking to Mike about it, and he was like, he said, I was, imp- he's like, I was impressed at how Alessio at the beginning of the song, like, really channeled his inner Dave Mustaine. Um, it kind of sounds like a mega song, and then as the chorus comes in, it kind of starts to sound more like a Power Quest song. Um, so yeah, it was interesting kind of listening to this as a Megadeth song for the first time. Uh, but yeah, it's a really good song. Good choice to um, open things up because it kind of is like this kind of slow, um, like thrashy riff that, and then it kind of picks up. And um, I think it just kind of really sets the tone early for what this album is gonna going to sound like what immediately jumps out to me is the mix i think the mix is fantastic on this album every instrument shines through and i just love 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 two things about this song number one these random short guitar solos that just kind of bridge the chorus and the verses i love that about the song and finally that drum outro that for something about that is just so catchy and so well done and let's not forget this is this is like to many the classic megadeth lineup right mustaine ellison friedman and menza to many this is the best lineup they ever had debatable but i think that that's something many would argue it's just again for for a starting track this is a far cry from holy wars very good but just very different yeah, it, you know, like we said before, it's kind of a little bit more, I think a little bit more of an accessible vibe. If you're, if you're like me, who's like 15, 16 years old when this album comes out, granted, I didn't get it at the time, but had I, had I, I think I would have probably gravitated more towards this than, than, uh, you know, than a, a Rust in Peace or, or, uh, you know, a Peace Cells or whatever that era. Just because, for the same reason, I gravitated more towards the Black Album for Metallica than Kill 'Em All when I had those first two, because 
there was just it was more melodic. It had more hooks, and it was more. I think it was more aimed at somebody who's kind of dipping their toe in the in the metal pool, so to speak. Um, I wish I had heard more of this at the time, um, but um, yeah, I, I just think that it, it kind of works for somebody like me who might not necessarily want to dive right in head first into the thrash world. Um, as much as I ended up enjoying Rust in Peace, um, I think that speaks more to my tastes evolving over time. Um, but uh, now that I'm like 40 years old, I can say like, I really enjoyed the Rust in Peace Megadeth and I really enjoy the Peace Cells Megadeth and I really enjoy the Euthanasia Megadeth. And, and as I've been kind of uh, lauding the, the new tracks, I, I'm really enjoying the modern Megadeth, which I... I'm hoping that maybe that your that European South American influence of having Soilworks old drummer and Angra's old guitar player is maybe um, having you know helping Dave kind of um, explore maybe little little bits and pieces of of metal that he hadn't before. I think it's it's so far it's sounding like a kind of a magic a magic concoction of of guys coming together. Um, a cacophony uh, of metal, if you will. Well, yeah, he's Dave Mustaine is the Chris Jericho of metal. Like he has figured out a way to reinvent himself in a good way um, for so many years. And again, like I, the reason that I always considered myself more of a Megadeth guy than a Metallica guy is because I feel like Metallica has not done as well of a job as uh, at reinventing themselves in a, in a good way. Not to mention the fact that like. Megadeth always chugged along uh train of consequences, if you will. <laughs> um, they, they're so consistent as far as releasing albums on, on an almost year or two year basis. Whereas Metallica, the, the, the breaks between albums, it was like five or six years between the black album and, and load. And then after uh reload, it was a while until St. Anger came out. And then after that, it was a really long time before, um, uh, uh, what was the one after St. Anger? Um, Death Magnetic. Yeah, Death Magnetic. And then after that, um, it was a while before their most recent album came out. Whereas all this time, Megadeth is releasing an album almost every single year. And, you know, with, you know, and not counting risk, like almost all of them have been pretty well received. So, um, I just think that Metallica, yeah, is always going to be the bigger name. I, I think Megadeth has been easily more consistent. Yeah, and, and and I think that going back to you know the mid '90s, far better with the exception of Risk, just in terms of quality and quantity. I think Train of Consequence is actually a perfect example of that, and, and this is more of like an Ellefson standout track. I love his bass playing on this song and how it kind of just chugs along with his bass playing and that chorus. I, I've been singing it all week long. I can't, you know, get it out of my head, even though I, I obviously I, I've known this song for a long time. It's a very good song. It's a little repetitive. Um, but what, what's interesting to me is the, the guitar solos on this song in particular, they don't remind me of like 80s Anthrax or 80s Exodus. It's more of like Aerosmith than it is thrash metal. But it, there's a charm to that. Absolutely. I... I think my favorite part about this song is that the guitars sound like a train. 
Like it's so cool to me. Like it's like duh, 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 duh. it 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 actually feels like you're listening to a train, and I think that's so <laughs> clever. Like I, I I really 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 like this song a lot. Um, I know I'm gonna have to be better about choosing my song of the week in a timely fashion so that we can cue the, the music properly. Um, I think I am gonna I'm gonna make this my my song of the week. So why don't we give uh. Why don't we give this this tune uh, a little bit of a, a listen, and uh, th- th- and we'll see why I, I chose it. of start this i think addicted to chaos the third track is definitely one of my favorites and i had considered it for my song of the week as well the way that that kind of drum solo starts and then the guitars kick in i really i really like that uh the one knock is that it's very mid-paced much like basically the rest of the album and like that's why i think even though every song is very very different I think it does get a little stale as we get as we go on, but this is not one of them. This is kind of a forgotten gem in many ways, and nobody puts this up there with like Reckoning Day and, and a Toot Le Mans, but I like this. It's dark, not really over the top, but it's just it's put together well. And I think that like I don't know, there's something about this song where I, I don't know that it gets the love uh, that compared to some of the others, but I, I happen to be a big fan of this track. This was one of the ones I didn't know as well that I really. I really enjoyed a lot. I, I I found myself like looking forward to going back and uh, listening to this one. Um, probably, it's probably in my top three of the songs that I didn't know going into this, um, and it's it's probably in my top five of all the songs on this album. Just really, um, I really liked it. I like that they can do a a mid-tempo song like this and, and have it not be like kind of meandering or boring. Um, it's, it's really, it's really melodic in, in places. It's catchy. I like how it kind of starts out like kind of unassuming and then kind of like kind of slowly kind of just builds up, builds in, builds up and builds into it. And, uh, this is, um, this is a cool tune, but uh, I like this one a lot. Um, and, I think it's a nice contrast to what comes next, which is a song I'm sure you did know, A Toot Le Monde. What are your thoughts on this? This is obviously a classic, classic song. Is it one of your favorites? It's, um, it, it's, it, it is. It, it's just that it might be like the, it might be the first Megadeth song I ever knew really, really well. And I actually found myself, um, 
over the years gravitating towards the the remake of the song that they would do with Christina from um, Lacuna Coil, and they released that in 2007 on their uh, United Abominations album. Um, I, I, I love the, the like duet version of it. So I kind of forgot about <laughs> the original. <laughs> um, I hadn't heard it in so long and, uh, it, it, it just works. Like I could see where a song like this probably could get derided because it's almost like, Oh look, mega, that's trying to do a ballad, but like, it's not really, I don't know. I don't really think it's a ballad. It's just more of a, a mellower kind of sound, but um, I don't know. It, it's the, the, the melodic, the melody is so catchy. Um, it's just such a fantastic tune. Um, it's not my favorite on the album, but it's like one of my most memorable uh, mega songs. Cause I, I heard it so early in my, um, my fandom of the band. Well, it would ultimately become the band's second single on the album. It comes out in February of 95 as a single train of consequences being the first. What's, what's interesting to me is I used to love this song so much and I probably played it 10,000 times and I got so sick of it after a while that I kind of would skip it when I would play the album because I just, I couldn't hear it anymore. Um, but going back with a fresh set of ears, I too kind of considered it a ballad, but it's not, it's not a ballad. And I got to be honest with you, it actually is a phenomenal song. And, and, and by being able to give it space and then come back to it after all these years, it is really, 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 really good. And, and the lyrics are fantastic. I mean, moving on is a simple thing. What it leaves behind is hard. That's really profound, Dave. I got to say, I got to hand it to you. You did a very nice job with this one. Um, I am not as big of a fan of the remake. I didn't think it was necessary, but admittedly, I haven't listened to it in probably a decade or more. I got to go back and, and dig that, I, dig that off. I would say it would be unnecessary if it didn't, um, introduce you know christina into it and i think i mean just hearing um hearing somebody else sing a megadeth song on a megadeth record is really cool um that's not alessio yeah (laughs) and i just think the two of them together it was such a like it was such a great contrast i think they really complemented each other really well i just really really like that version of it um i I definitely invite you to, to give it a listen again um i will I, I wanted to, because um, this was something that I was curious about, just the, the French chorus, what it translates to, um, and, and it kind of gets into a little bit of a controversy from this song, but um, I'm not going to attempt to speak the French part, but what it translates to is, to the whole world, to all my friends, I love you, I have to go. And of course, everybody being, you know, so triggered by lyrics and stuff and, and assuming they know what the band, you know, is trying to say, and especially during this time where everybody's trying to blame metal for people killing themselves as far back as like Ozzy in the eighties. Um, Dave actually did um, an interview in 94 and wanted to kind of set the record straight. And he said, it's not a suicide song. What it is, it's you. It's when people have a loved one that dies and they end on a bad note, you know, 
they wish they could say something to them. So this is an opportunity for the deceased to say something before they go. And it was my impression of what I would like to say to people. If I had, say, three seconds to do so in life before I died, I'd say to the entire world, to all my friends, I love you all, and now I must go. These are the last words I'll ever speak, and they'll set me free. I don't have to say I'm sorry. I don't have to say I'm going to miss you or I'll wait for you. You know, I'll just say I loved you all, good, bad, and different. I loved you all. So, I mean, Dave is never going to be accused of not having a way with words. He's a very eloquent man. Um, but I thought that was a really, I think that that makes the song even more powerful, knowing that that's kind of the idea behind it, it is that idea of being able to kind of say something that knowledge of that you're going to go and being able to say like a really profound thing right at the end that people will always remember. So I thought that was really cool and wanted to mention that. Yeah, very, very well said. And I think it caps off what many would agree. Very, very, very strong first third of the album. Um, You know, top heavy for sure, but very good. The problem for me, is that now we start getting into certain songs, not all, but certain songs, which are a little bit of a step back. The first of which, in my opinion, is Elysian Fields. Um, maybe a few steps back. Um, the, the pacing on this is something about it I don't love. And there's something about those backing vocals, which I don't particularly like. It reminds me of ACDC's Thunderstruck, but just like, not needed four years after the fact or whenever the Thunderstruck came out. Um, this song just doesn't have the hooks. And when you factor in those, I'll call them annoying backing vocals, this one's a miss for me. Not, not that they're all going to be, you know, triples and home runs, but this one, this one, this one strikes out. So it was a hook and mouth for you? Yeah, pretty, pretty much, pretty <laughs> much. Um, I actually d- disagree. Um, I like this song a lot. Unacceptable. It was, it was almost, it was an in contention for my song of the week just because it, um, I didn't know it at all, um, going into this. And it was this, the chorus was stuck in my head, like, no, a number of times this week. Um, I don't mind the backing vocals. I think it's, I don't know, I think it's a nice touch. It's a different kind of vibe for a Megadeth song. I, I, I don't know. I think it's really catchy and I really enjoy it. So, um, I'm I'm a little surprised that you uh, dislike it. This is to me like I would put this in with the first um, the first four tracks and say like the first five tracks. I don't know, man. Like they they don't lose me for a while, but I'll, I'll let right. you know when they do. But the, they we're not there yet for me anyway. Well, I like kill the Killing Road much better. Um, it's the, it, the beginning kind of gives you that impression. Like you're about to take off on this blisteringly fast and thrashy song, but it never gets there. And what's interesting about that is if you wanted them to harken back to that rust and peace style, I think this was your best shot, but quickly you realize that's not the case. But, and I say this with, but there's something about this track that reminds me of the stuff that was on peace cells. Not in terms of the speed, but just in terms of the way the structure is sound and the guitar tone and everything else. And it's a really catchy song with a great chorus and and also some great guitar solos. I like this tune a lot. And this is in, in sharp contrast to Elysian Fields and Blood of Heroes, which is another one I don't like. We'll talk about that in a second. But I, I think Killing Road is a very good song sandwiched in between two duds. Uh, I It's like... They wanted to remind everybody, like, hey, that, that old Megadeth that 
you might feel like left town for this album. We're still here. Uh, we're, we're still, we're still out there. Um, I, 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 the chorus is, is meh for me, but the song on a whole, I think is, um, is really good. Um, I, I think it's just a, a very classic Megadeth tune that, like you said, really could have been on an older album, but I think it's good that they didn't try to like, um, just like leave this style completely behind. Um, and so it's kind of a nice, and, and to your point, like I liked blood of heroes as well. So like, to me, I think it's kind of cool to have these two more, um, melodic, almost like proggy kind of songs and then have like this, uh, this song, like, like you said, sandwiched in between just like, you know, they wanted to, you know, keep, keep, keep it honest, I guess, almost honest, if you will. Um, (laughs) it's the, the solo at the end of killing road is really awesome. Like just, you know, like just classic Megadeth, like thrash guitar, um, good song. Um, and, and to your point, like, Blood of Heroes was another song that I had stuck in my head. Um, I like these. Really? Mid, I like these mid-tempo kind of, like, I'm not, you know me, like, I'm all about power metal and, and fast and exciting. And Megadeth, like, I feel like nails it when it comes to these kind of just mid-tempo, like, foot-tapping kind of tunes. Like, I think this song is great. It's it's hit or miss for me. If you give me a song like Trust, I love it. I would listen to that song over and over again. She Wolf, another example from a, later in the catalog, a great song. But there's something about Blood of Heroes. I completely forgot about this track. <laughs> when I listened to this, it was like listening to it for the first time. I, I completely forgot that I'd ever heard this song. And it starts off with like this epic ballad, even with orchestration, which is something you don't hear a lot of when it comes to Megadeth. But then it goes right back to that mid-pace thing. And it just was kind of boring. And, and the chorus wasn't much better than the verses. It was repetitive. It was a pass for me. And I got to be honest, I think Family Tree is kind of similar too. The bass here, again, is like the highlight for me. The song itself, it's okay. Um, I like the chorus on Family Tree, but the rest of the song I could kind of just pass. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, one thing I did like, though, the the way that they kind of employed multiple vocal lines going throughout this thing it was kind of a nice touch and, and, and definitely different. But it just felt like an kind of like an uninspired filler track to me um not not a fan like i said you, you just for me three out of the last four songs have been kind of duds it'll pick up towards the end but i don't know it just it wasn't for me it felt like he was just trying to like fill out the record i, I i'm sorry i think that i may have rated this hot album higher than you uh based on you think yeah based on the the, the comments on the last few songs I, like i love family tree it's one of the First mega songs I ever heard. Um, I think it's super catchy. The chorus is catchy. Um, shout out to Mike's Blood Fire and Metal cassette uh, cassette mix that he made back in the day. This was uh, this was on there along with Angry Again. So those are like two of the first mega songs I ever heard. Um, it, but it wasn't until this week that I really started listening to the lyrics, and I was like, "Oh God, if those lyrics are about what I think they are." This is a very disturbing song, and after doing a little bit of a uh, little bit of, of keyboard t- searching and, and going through some reddits and stuff, uh, a lot of people seem to be pretty convinced that this song is about um, 
incest and rape. And when you really look at the lyrics, it kind of makes sense. And, and uh, in no way is it like promoting it. it. It's just kind of this really dark song that I think is um, masked as not that dark. When you listen to it, like as a song, it doesn't feel like a really dark song. It's actually kind of a beat. Um, it's a song like the, the way that it kicks in. It's kind of like, yeah, let's go. And then you like listen to the words and like, ooh, man, that's, uh, ew, yeah, that's a little icky. Um, so, but I think more so in a way of like, again, Dave has always been like a real proactive as far as like causes go. And I think this is just his way of shining a light on a, on a, a, a shitty kind of, you know, issue and it's uh, it's it changed a little bit of how I look at the song, just because like I used to kind of think of it as more of a when you're not paying attention, it's just a song. But then like when you hear the words, you're like oh, there's a lot of meaning behind it that just is kind of um, disturbing. And so like you're you feel differently about it. I still think it's a really good song, and uh, I um, yeah, I disagree with you on this. This has always been kind of a favorite of mine, and. Um, Still is. Yeah, I, 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 I appreciate everything you just said. I think we take a step in the right direction with the title track. Very cool intro. And I have to say, this is one of those tracks where Nick Menz's drumming really stands out. He's a, he's a very good, well, was a very good and underrated drummer. The rest of the song, slightly above average to me. Um, and I, and I appreciate the fact that it's just a touch slower than the rest of the stuff on the album and almost has like a doom like quality to it. Clearly, as I mentioned with, um, I lit the sun, I was on a doom kick this week for obvious reasons, but this one really kind of hit the spot for me. Um, it picks up nicely and actually sounds kind of similar to spots on Symphony of Destruction from Countdown to Extinction in certain spots, but I, I think it's well done and I, I, I think it's an overlooked song on this album that nobody ever talks about. They, they talk about other ones, including quite frankly, including family tree, but euthanasia, the title track, nobody ever talks about this, but it's a pretty good song. Yeah. Agreed. Um, definitely. I think it's a good choice to follow family tree, which kind of has more of a, like I said, like a tap your foot kind of quality to it, where this is kind of like almost like a real grungy kind of uh, thrashy, you know, doomy, like you said, um, really like, kind of like almost like a grimy song and and it it just is like that when you think of like the 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 uniqueness of dave's vocals and then he's like euthanasia like it's almost like hearing randy savage sing um it's 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 awesome and i was waiting to talk about this song to kind of bring up the the um the name of the album and, and the, and the cover art, which yes. I was always fascinated by when I was a kid, because I thought it was such a powerful image of this old woman hanging a bunch of babies on a clothesline. <laughs> and, and just the, the idea of um, the play on words of euthanasia using Y O U T H at the beginning. And so of course I just had to look it up and, and see like, what was the, the idea behind uh, calling this band euthanasia, and again, Dave in, in his uh, infinite word, you know, wordsmith wisdom, uh, said that. Um, or actually, no, I'm sorry. This was a quote from uh, Dave Allison, the bass player, and he said the artwork was directly inspired from a line of the title track. We've been hung out to dry. 
he explained that the title track was probably the strongest representation of how we feel about the young people who listen to our music and what their future holds for them. It's like you have a choice. You can become proactive or you can choose euthanasia. Um, well said. Uh, and then and then Mustaine stated that the idea for the title stems from hearing about Jack Kevorkian as well as the declining state of well-being of young people, specifically referring to issues like drugs, crime, violence, and a lack of parenting, which it's kind of interesting because I feel like this song kind of takes on a new meaning nowadays, more so in the fact of like almost like mental health issues, especially in this country. Yep. Uh, and I think that it can be applied to that if you want to kind of loosely – um, you know, understand the song differently than probably what, you know, what it meant in the nineties. Um, I think that that's kind of more of what the youth of our nation is, is dealing with now is, is, is not just the youth, really everyone just, just dealing with, with mental health issues. I think something that everyone can, uh, can, you know, um, understand or know, or know somebody who's been through it. So, um, I think that that uh, makes that a song that's that came out. She's what twenty six years ago, twenty seven years ago. Still have um, a lot of uh, words escape me this morning, but um, you know, it just ha- it still resonates. Yeah, I, I agree. It's 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 powerful stuff. And again, I think that um, one of the things I enjoy about this and the other Megadeth albums. There's a thoughtfulness behind it, um, which is not like just, uh, you know, throw an album out, let's slap some lyrics on there. There's definitely a lot of thought that goes into it and kind of a lot of layers to peel back when you're the listener. Um, I, for, for that reason, I, I, I always give their new albums a chance. And obviously this year will be no different with, with their upcoming release. Very cool stuff. Um, now we get to the back quarter of the album and there's a, this is this get very interesting. Uh, I thought I knew it all. In my opinion, was like their attempt at we're going to go for the radio single here. Ironically, it would never be released as a single, but it could have been. Um, kind of cool verses. I, I don't think the chorus holds up to the to the verses themselves, but it is. But it's an interesting song with these little guitar ditties throughout, which is interesting. I, I think it's a, a very well constructed song. And again, what's interesting to me is. I think that this song is emblematic of what was going on in the state of music in 1994. And I feel like this was their attempt to kind of go grungy or alternative. I mean, if you think about what's popular at the time, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Green Day, um, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, all these bands, this is kind of their attempt at that, in my opinion, not just this song, but the album in general. And I think about like a, the Australian band Silverchair. I hear a lot of that on this album as well. Although that album, Frog Stomp, would come out a, a year later, if I'm not mistaken. But I feel like Megadeth was trying to kind of assimilate into what was popular radio rock back in the mid-90s. I think you hit the nail on the head with one particular band you mentioned, and that's Alice in Chains. Um, Alice in Chains was, I think, the perfect blend of metal and grunge they kind of brought those two genres together in a way that i don't think any other band really was attempting to do like nirvana and soundgarden and and pearl jam and those bands weren't really trying to be metal bands i feel like alice and chains wanted to be a metal band and wanted to be an alt band and they figured out the perfect way to marry those two things and i think that this song is it, almost exactly in that style. Like it could have been an Alice in Sheen song because it's so 
it's got that dark grunginess, but at the same time has such a catchy chorus to it that it could have easily been a radio song. So um, it's, it's like, it fits perfectly into that time period of this album being released. You know, it's interesting. Like I didn't even kind of think about how like this is, this album came out the year that I just started to really listen to radio rock and like listen to bands like green day and, and stone temple pilots and the red hot chili peppers and all that stuff that was just blowing up on uh, Z 100 at the time. Like, you know, nowadays they probably play like all pop hits and, and stuff that your daughters probably listen to. But like at the time, like they're just, their job was to play whatever top 40 was. And at the time, top 40 was Alice in Chains and was Pearl Jam and was Nirvana. Um, so like the fact that this came out at that time is so strange to me, but um, because it was so just beyond my knowledge, like I just didn't know when I was 12, I didn't know anybody that listened to metal that could have told me, about Megadeth's euthanasia. Who knows? Maybe I would have liked metal earlier than than I did. But um, just the interesting timing. I'm glad you mentioned that. It's it's a very interesting kind of um, it's an interesting way to kind of place this album in the timeline of music. Yeah. Um, no. No question. I think that they were going for that style, and I think they do a good job of it. I think if you would have heard it around the same time that you were listening to. Maybe not Green Day, but if you were were an Alice in Chains fan back in you know ninety five, and then you put this album on, I think you would have been like, yeah, I like this too. You, you may not have liked Peace Cells, but you would have definitely liked something like this. Yeah, um, it's not like a, ma- a major departure from that, no. or jar or a jarring change. And, and you know, Dave's vocals, I think too. It's like you know, Megadeth never tried to add death growls or like it's just Dave's kind of angsty sounding voice that um is just uh like just the iconic megadeth sound and again i'm gonna ma- bring up the megadeth metallica comparison i always preferred dave's vocals over hetfield's i just really i just enjoy the uniqueness of it i think hetfield's a better singer as far as like a as far as like a trained singer might be concerned but i would rather listen to mustaine well, I'm that that's a perfect segue to what I'm about to say. Black Curtains is blatant plagiarism in my eyes. It is said but true by Metallica through and through. And I almost don't know how it got put on this album because I just to me it just resonates so loudly and I almost can't listen to this song because it just seems like something I had heard or something that had come out 3 years prior. Um the, even the duplicate vocal lines that they do in certain spots, it's Metallica, like, through and through. And, and for that, I'm just not a fan of this song. I don't have much else to say about it. I can't listen to the song either, but for a different reason than you. I think it what? sucks. Yeah. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's, a, I think it's not, I think it's the worst song on the album. There's nothing that is really enjoyable about it to me. I, I, I think it's the one swing and a miss on this whole album. Um, I'm kind of glad that it kind of got, tucked away towards the end, but I feel like they really could have gotten away with leaving this off. Um, and if it's like a, if it's a clone of sad, but true, it's a bad clone. It's a, it's yeah, a, it's yeah. a disformed, uh, like, you know, three eyed clone of, cause sad, but true is like a fantastic, um, just like mega Metallica, uh, classic. And this is not, 
it wouldn't even be in my top 50 Megadeth songs, and I probably it only know about 50 Megadeth songs. Terrible. <laughs> but, but, and I guess this is the saving grace, this album ends with my song of the week, and that's Victory. Let's give it a listen. Now one day I started telling everyone, killing is my business, and I was hung like a as I said before, this album is top heavy, but the way this song ends for me, or the way the album ends for me with victory, it's kind of a gem at the end of this album. They managed to do something that I didn't think was possible. And that's, they basically just took a random album titles, song titles, threw them into a ball and just regurgitated all of it into a song with lyrics that kind of sort of makes sense, which is more than I can say for a lot of other bands. I have to just applaud the effort here. And the song itself is just a little bit faster than the rest of the album and kind of reminiscent of some of the older material. And that's why I chose it as my song of the week. It's just so different and so thoughtful that I thought the effort should be applauded. Uh, It's, there's a reason that I call Dave Mustaine a wordsmith and I'm just presuming that he wrote the lyrics to this song, but I, I too was like, even in my limited knowledge of Megadeth, I recognized so many of the song titles that they, that they use. And I was like, this is great. And, and it doesn't hurt that the song is great too. Like it, yeah. it just, it all comes together and it's a perfect choice to kind of end the album. Um, great tune, good choice for song of the week. I know uh, Mike had, um, high praise for for the song as well i believe he said this was one of his one of his favorite songs on the uh the album um this was this was a, an absolute blast i'm glad that i voted for it although um it would have won anyway and and we still would have done sabaton's heart of war next week regardless uh, but i'm just Every time so, like we end up doing a Megadeth album, I get excited to learn more about this band that I'm just slowly becoming a bigger and bigger fan of. Uh, I, this is, I mean, barring some magic that I end up loving Slayer, um, I think Megadeth's going to be my number one uh, thrash band like uh, of all time. I think it's just well, way we, 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 we need to do a deeper dive into creator and, and we definitely need to do a Slayer album just because I think that that would be um, and we, a good time. And we promised we would revisit Anthrax, which I, I will hold, I will hold, uh, hold myself to. Um, I, I also don't want to always remember Anthrax as being like a dud. Like I, I really believe that there is an Anthrax album out there that I would enjoy. I just think the one that we happened to review wasn't 
that one for me. I, I, I respect that. But when it comes to enjoying this album, you weren't alone. It peaked at number four on the Billboard charts. It sold 143,000 copies in the first week. Um, so it was obviously a very nice commercial success and, and quite frankly, a, a good follow-up to Countdown, which was also a tremendous success. I think that debuted at number two on the charts. Scale of one to ten, what are you giving this? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a a nine point oh. I, I just wow. I just really good other for than you. other than black curtains, which is kind of what I want to draw in my <laughs> house when I'm listening to this song and just and just curl up into a ball and die. Um, <laughs> I thought like every song on this album was great. Um, I just a, just a really enjoyable experience all the way through. Um, I just I just really liked it and and. If if they maybe figure out a way to put a better song in place of Black Curtains, I think this could have been ranked even higher for me. I think that it's just being dragged down by a, a just a bad just a bad song. Like it just is not. It's a shame because the rest of the album is so good. Um, I mean, it happens. Um, it's you go ahead and give you a rating, and then I'll. Continue. It's it's a seven for me, and I think it's because they're a victim of their own success. Rust in Peace is the perfect thrash metal album, in my opinion. Um, there's so many good songs off those earlier albums, and I just happen to think that even when you compare Euthanasia to its own peers, Countdown and, and, and Cryptic Writings, it's it's probably my least favorite of the three, and possibly by a little bit of a wide margin. Um, it's a good it's a good album. I enjoy the listen and there's a lot of stuff that I like. I just like a lot of their stuff better and so it just kind of gets pushed down as a result. Yeah, fair enough. I I I'm kind of surprised that uh I thought you would rank it a little bit higher. Um and but I'm, uh you know I, I might have 20 years ago I might have because I really did enjoy this album a lot. I just didn't it didn't grab me the way it used to. Um so I think I just kind of moved away from it and you know, when I go, when, 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 if you say, if I feel like I'm listening, I want to listen to some Megadeth, it's not one of the top four or five albums I choose. And now I kind of see why it's, it's just lost a little bit of its luster for me over the years. Fair enough. There, there's a, um, an extra track on one of the, uh, one of the extended editions or whatever, um, called Millennium of the Blind, which I just wanted to point out, like it opens up with this really slow and, like heavy riff and and i was thinking to myself like well, i've heard this riff before and sure enough go uh, go ahead a few years it's the basically the same riff to 1000 times goodbye from their uh world needs a hero album just they sped it up a little bit for the that song um but it's almost the exact same guitar riff so i, I just thought that was interesting about i'm like boy this sounds awfully familiar uh now so you know I why wanted to throw that in there before we wrap things up well just a couple of quick news items before we do um i was really touched by this alex lifeson and getty lee back on stage together for the first time in a place that i would never have guessed and that was the south park 25th anniversary concert which apparently is going to be on comedy central um on Saturday, April 13th, which was two days ago, I guess, when, by the time this comes out. So hopefully you can catch it on the replay. But I got to be honest with you, seeing those two guys together on stage playing uh, Closer to the Heart, I'm going to have to set the DVR to watch this. This is this is uh, pretty amazing. The first time on stage together since the passing of Neil Peart. Um, 
I don't know. The, the Rush fan in me just got a little teary-eyed by that. Yeah. I think you said April. I think you meant August. Yeah, I did mean August. August 13th. So, yeah. good good catch. Um, so, that's a little bit of Rush news. And something that really, really excites me, um, one of my favorite prog metal bands of the last decade is finally doing a full U.S. tour. And that's Sewn. Um, they are kicking off the tour in, uh, in Illinois on November 22nd, uh, hitting the South, hitting the East, and eventually winding up uh, out West in California in December. I am going to go see the New York City show. It's November 30th. I cannot wait. I love them at Prague Power. They were even better on 70,000 Tons of Metal the two times I got to see them on that, on that uh, cruise. I just love this band. I know it might not be your thing, but for, for – you know, fans of like either old Opeth or, or Tool, they just hit the, they just, you know, kind of knock it out of the park for me. So I'm definitely going to go check that out. Awesome. That's always nice to hear when uh, a band you like comes to town. Um, actually, I wanted to just mention real quick, uh, I, I had reposted this in on our group page, but um, I just wanted to uh, mention on, on the podcast of, uh, Seven Kingdoms, who we've talked about um, in the past, uh, they opened for um, Unleash the Archers uh, at the end of last year. Um, they have been added to the Prog Power lineup next year. They are they'll be opening up on Thursday. Um, I I think that this is such a great choice and such a um, deserved opportunity. I know the band has played at Prog Power, but I'm pretty sure. Only in the loft. I don't think they've ever played the the big stage at Prague no. Power. Pretty sure. No. Um, not since I started going. I think my first or second year back it was the first time I saw them, and they opened up in the uh, in the loft with. I believe they played with um, Van Gogh and um, I'm trying to remember who else. Maybe I think it was Ross the Boss, Van Gogh, and Seven Kingdoms. I think might have been the three band lineup in the uh in the loft which uh, they don't really do shows at anymore but um i have to say like the the seven kingdoms most recent album uh it just came out um let's see came out in june um it's called zenith um they i don't know they took a page out of the unleash the archers playbook because they're playing this new album has so much intensity and sabrina's vocals just soar um i think that this is their best album yet and i think that they are really just becoming um one of the better power metal bands in the u.s and i think that they this is a really deserved spot i think they're gonna blow a lot of people uh a lot of a lot of people's socks off because i thought they were fantastic when they opened for unleash the archers um they sounded fantastic. They, they, um, the crowd was into it. I, I, it really like opened my eyes to what, um, what a great band that they've become. And I think that, uh, they, they deserve it. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing them on the, the big stage. To their credit, they've done a very nice job, um, kind of doing that whole tour, 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 get exposure and really kind of build it up at that grassroots level. And obviously the fruits of it are paying off. And, and sometimes you just gain inspiration when you're on the road. Um, I had given the album a listen. I, I definitely need to give it another listen. I don't know it well at all. 
But uh, congratulations to them for for getting to play the main stage. This should be uh, a, a you know a big stepping stone for their career, no no question about it. But um, we look forward to that. And then obviously we have our album picked out for next week, as as, as you mentioned, "The Art of War" by Sabaton. I look forward to that. And we'll round out the rest of the month with another selection that I'm going to make. I think I have something picked out, and I think it's going to be a little bit different, but I think it's going to be fun nonetheless. So we'll uh, we'll leave you in suspense with that. Thanks, everyone, for checking us out. We appreciate it. Uh, give us a like and a follow. Chat with us on uh, our Facebook group at uh, the Metal Exchanges, and we will uh, catch you next week with some Sabaton. Enjoy the week, bud. I'll talk to you soon. You too. And just wanted to, you know, say another thanks to uh, everybody that that's kind of communicated with us in, in our new Facebook group. It's only been what a week now, <laughs> I think. And there's already uh, about 75 people in the group and um, a lot of great conversation. And um, I, I, I'm, I, again, I don't know what, why we waited so long to do this, but it's just been a really cool way to um, just to get everybody together and, and kind of chat. And, and I think it also kind of adds to uh, things that we can talk about on the podcast itself. So um, thanks to everybody who's participated and, and we urge you to, if you haven't to jump in and just introduce yourself and uh, you know, just chime in on stuff. Cause it's just a lot of just uh, metalheads bullshitting, <laughs> which is what we do best and what we do for an hour here each week. So Join us. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you next week. Um, With that, take it easy, bud. I will talk to you soon. All right. Take care.